It is Monday, January 23rd. I'm AJ Hoffman. And I am Steve Fezzik. The AFC and NFC championship games are set, and the number one team in college hoops falls. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. This is Straight Out of Vegas AM, your home for daily sports talk with a Vegas lean. I'm not going to get into what's going on today. We all know what we're talking about today. We are talking NFL. I've got the right man for the job here to do it, Mr. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest champion. Hey, Steve, how are you, man? And do we have the best four teams left, or certainly four of the best five, so it should be an outstanding final it's, four. It's hard to argue it, and we're going to get into those games and the, you know, the one team that you'd think was in that best four all year that's no longer around certainly didn't look like they belonged in the best four yesterday. So, uh, you know what? Let's start with that. Let's start with the AFC games and what we saw this week. You guys do a uh, sort of a recap show every week on Straight Out of Vegas, or excuse me, on, on the Dream Preview feed, which we're on today. We're on the both feeds today. Uh, so wherever you're listening, either on RJ Bell's Dream Preview or on the Straight Out of Vegas AM feed, you're going to get Fez's first reactions uh, to what we saw this weekend. And let's start with the first game that we saw, which was Kansas City and Jacksonville. And this one felt like maybe Jacksonville uh, played, I don't want to say played above their heads, uh, but they certainly made the game more interesting than, than Kansas City was comfortable with. Yeah, and you know what? I'm actually going to disagree here. I think Jacksonville played below expectations. Okay. And, and Kansas City, because Mahomes got hurt, it, they, they fell below expectations? It, uh, Kansas City exceeded expectations given Mahomes got hurt, but the fact that they had to play without him in the second quarter and he was a shell of himself in the second half, barely able to move. I mean, I think Jacksonville got every break. Despite that, they needed you know the, the, the semi-miraculous um, last-minute field goal just to cover the game. This is the biggest story going into this next weekend is the health of Patrick Mahomes. And when you have a high ankle sprain like this, it, it, it him coming out and finishing the game after they taped it and I'm sure gave him a shot is no surprise. But how it feels the next day and two days later and three days later and five days later – is a different conversation. And here's what I believe about the Kansas City Chiefs. As great as Patrick Mahomes is and as great as the Chiefs have been in this recent run, if he doesn't play, like, I, what, can you, what can you do with the Chiefs? How can you even pretend like they're, they're here? Uh, yeah, they be, they become Jacksonville. So they we, do. We, we lower the – I have the Chiefs eight points better than an average team. So we lower them seven and a half. They become half a point better. They're basically than, an average team at that point. Right. So so uh, healthy Mahomes, KC, minus five and a half. Uh, Henny, quarterbacking them, Cincinnati. Well, I'll keep the same thing. So Kansas City goes from a five and a half point favorite to a three-point underdog. I know now that the mathematically inclined are going to say, wait a minute, Fez, you just said he's worth seven and a half. That's an eight and a half point difference. Well, it's the nuances of the key numbers and going through the zero that creates that difference. The the opening number for the Bengals and the Chiefs game is Cincy plus one and a half. So you think that there's there's already some expectation that either if Mahomes plays, he's going to be very limited. Yeah, and so Tony Romo talked about oftentimes the best time to play with a really bad sprained ankle is and half hour after it happens, sure. tape it up, and then just gets worse all week long. Uh, what's interesting, I always hear Vegas knows. Vegas has no idea. Yeah, so a, a good example is, like, we talk about the openers. Well, the first number I saw in this game, and it flashed, was uh, three. So I saw KC minus three, just a, just a bad number. Mahomes isn't going to be close to 100%. You cannot make it three, and people are like, oh, Fez, you're just past posting. You knew you saw that line go down, and you said it's wrong. Well, I've got a bet on Cincinnati. It's interesting. So I put it in plus three. I get denied, and it's down to two and a half. 
I'm like, I'm not losing by half a point. So I'm on my I'm on my Caesars account where they let you buy, and I hate point buying. I absolutely hate buying points, but they let you buy on the three for 20 cents, which is pretty much the fair number. And they let you buy off the three for 20 cents. So I bought both. So I bought for 20 for 40 cents, I bought from two and a half to three and a half. I locked in my Bengals plus three and a half because um one of the sharps that I'm friends with was bragging to me that he got plus three, and he was right to brag. He, he nailed me on both games, frankly, on the openers. I'm like, well, if it lands three, I'll, I'll wind up winning. I mean, yeah, I did have to pay an arm and a leg for that VIG, but it wouldn't surprise me if you get any bad report of Mahomes that that line goes, you know, the, the line comes down to pick him. And, and, well, since he becomes favored, if Mahomes plays, yeah, that probably it's going to leak back up to minus, depending upon his health, two and a half or three. One thing of note, I think, is that when – Chad Henney went in the game he looked serviceable I mean it was a, a strong drive that he led uh ends up throwing a touchdown pass Chad Henney's one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the league but he's not Patrick Mahomes yeah and he, he didn't he, I wouldn't say he looked serviceable he, I would say he looked like the second coming of Christ yeah I mean <laughs> 98 yard um drive I mean he looked like an MVP he's no no quarterback could do as well as he can so we're going to take Chad Henney's serviceable journeyman, workmanlike career, whatever it's been, 10-plus years, or are we going to evaluate him based on one drive? I, I think we better do the former. Right? I, I, and I think when that's what I'm getting at is I, I think what we have in Chad Henney here is a, a solid backup quarterback. Who doesn't feel the pressure of, of the playoffs. And if anything, performs even high at a higher level and is ready to go at all times. Let's get your thoughts on... I guess we can do these at the same time. Kansas City's defense and Jacksonville's offense because it, it, Trevor Lawrence, as good as he's been the last, you know, like he's, he's been putting up some big numbers late late part of the season, did not put up big numbers in this game. It, how much of that was the pressure getting to Trevor Lawrence? How much of that was being on the road in a tough place to play? How much of that was, you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs just being prepared? I think none of the above. I think Jacksonville played perfectly fine on offense. They got 350 yards. Uh, they they gained almost six yards per play. Um, they turned it over in the red zone, their second-to-last drive, so that, that denied them five points. So they and they scored 20. They were supposed to score, what, um, 20, 20 and a half? Yeah. And so even with coming up empty on that drive, they still met their expectations. I lowered Jacksonville half a point. For their defense, their defense giving twenty up to twenty seven to a crippled Kansas City team is unacceptable. And I upgraded Kansas City a half. I guess I upgraded the non Mahomes Kansas City half a point. Yeah, like I said, this is certainly the the thing to look out for because can, can, you really have no idea what Kansas City Chiefs team is going to be there on, on Sunday because if if Patrick Mahomes is there and hobbled. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking at. But it, yeah, either way, the Bengals, and let's go ahead and move to that game. Uh, that First, happened. we got to talk about Kelsey. Oh, okay. Kelsey was just a – if you didn't see it. It feels like all the tight ends were monsters this weekend. Yeah, like, you, 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 tight ends always open, and I guess the weather turns bad, and all of a sudden the, the big uglies start to dominate. Yeah, Kittle had a big game also, so um, tight ends did very well. Yeah, 14 for 98, two touchdowns. For Travis Kelsey, big game for him. Uh, and I, I guess we should also mention Isaiah Pacheco, who 12 carries, 95 yards. That'll get the job done. Eight, that was eight a, yards per carry. And, and, and we're giving Henny credit for the 98-yard drive. You know, Pacheco going for 40 and a key point during that drive to pop for him sure. in the red zone was huge. All right, let's look at the other AFC game where the Buffalo Bills – uh, no match for the Cincinnati Bengals. Didn't matter where the game was played. Cincinnati fans were upset that it wasn't at a neutral or sorry, didn't have they didn't have a chance to play that game at home. Didn't matter. Cincinnati wins twenty-seven to ten. They jumped out early on the Bills, and it felt like the Bills were were they were rocked for like in, in if you look at it like boxing terms it felt like they were kind of dazed and stumbling around early in that game and never really got back into their rhythm uh it felt like maybe late in the half they were going to threaten and they end up getting in, end up getting nothing out of it they go to halftime 17-7 and it never gets any better for them it, this was really a a game that Josh Allen did not play well for starters. Josh Allen was – he didn't play terribly. He was just pedestrian. 
And I, I would m make the case that the kid from Louisiana, I guess he grew up in Ohio, Burrow, seemed to understand how to play in snow better in that he was running north-south, and the Bills oftentimes were running east-west, including Josh Allen. I guess that's probably more of his design, you know, play runs typically. And so the snow carried with it, you know, you'd think first glance, you know, there's no place that's had more snow than Buffalo other than maybe the Yatusk in Siberia. <laughs> uh, but the... Um, the Bengals were uniquely ready for it today, including all the way down to their white uniform camouflage. Remember when Boise had the number one yeah. home field with the blue turf and the and the blue uniforms? There's something to it that it's it's hard to see the defense when your guys are cloaked like that, like a Romulan cloak. And the Bengals being all in white, I saw Die Hard too. You saw Colonel <laughs> Stewart and his men, yeah. and, and all the white, and, and no one could hit those guys with any bullets when they're in shootouts. Well, you, you have to – I mean, Josh, the, the word in this game was well, Josh Allen's going to turn the ball over. Josh, Josh Allen's been turning the ball over. Josh Allen didn't have a turnover until garbage time. Yeah, until the very it, it, final, which, final minute and a half. Trying to make something happen late. I mean, the game game was over if he doesn't throw that pick anyway. I, don't, I can't fault him for trying to make something happen. Uh, he just didn't have the big plays in him yesterday. And uh, it really started on the first drive of the game – they get to a, a third down and like four, and he he has a Stefan Diggs running down the sideline, and he throws it about two feet over his head. Just did, missed him. Did Diggs get banged up in the game? No, did, did, I thought Diggs, at one point he was. Like, oh yeah, he hobbled. did. Or, yeah, but he came back. He was yeah, fine, I know. Yeah. and he was not pleased with Josh Allen late in the game because Josh Allen wasn't getting in the getting him the ball enough. Mm -hmm. It was it was just a it again. It's hard to say Josh Allen played poorly, but it certainly Josh Allen didn't play the way you need the man to play. He was sitting in the cold as the Bengals racked up 30, count them, 30 first downs. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. And let's face it, we talked a lot about the offensive line for the Bengals and how they were banged up. They were missing three starters, uh, and they had another one hurt during this game. And what I think the Bengals took that as a challenge. Did the snow help? Did the the fact that that rushing in 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 with with poor footing makes it more difficult on the defensive line than so the old? It's hard to be a pass rusher when you get, when you can't get your feet in the ground. And mm -hmm. the other thing that they did that offset everything was they ran the ball incredibly well. And the Bengals early in the season were committed to being this bruising run first, run heavy team. And I was like, why are you doing this? Yes. Your best players are named Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Stop trying to be this thing that you're not. And then when they stopped doing that, they won 12 games in a row or whatever, nine games in a row. And, and here they went back to what they envisioned it yes. back in January. Remember, remember back in September, they couldn't stop doing that because they had a quarterback with an appendicitis and yep. a brand new O-line. They didn't want him to get killed by Halloween. So that, so that was kind of by necessity. But what's this? Joe Mixon's not supposed to get 100 yards no. in any universe. And Joe Mixon just pounded and pounded and pounded the Bills, and they had no answer for it. They, they controlled the clock in a way that – it's been difficult to do to the Bills. The Bills have been actually really good at not letting teams hang on to the football. And and really, and a lot of that is because the Bills are usually up and they force you to start throwing as well. The Bills getting down 14 nothing. In a way, the Bills are built to, on offense, the Bills are built to come back from a big, a big deficit. Their defense is not built to play with a big deficit oh, because that's a good point. The yeah. Bengals just turn into a battering ram, and and, and it, it could have been worse. I mean, Chase catches the ball and yeah. and, and and doesn't quite have possession of it. it. By the way, it's obvious he doesn't have possession. I don't know why Gene Salvatore has to go through all the rig. Now let's look at his feet again. His feet don't matter. He's juggling the ball. We yeah. all we all see it. He's on the ground, three yards out of the end zone, and he still hasn't. But you're right. It. I mean, that's if he holds on to that ball, that's another one. If if Josh Allen's hand, Josh Allen's hand had just started coming forward, like that's about as close of a call as you another can get. Another four points that go, you know, Buffalo's way. So yes, like this could have gotten really, really ugly. Uh, this it boiled down to the Bengals were just. I, I, you know, it's hard to roll into one data point who the better team is. This day, though, certainly the Bengals were the better team. Yeah, and I refuse to say a team is a six-point underdog, and now they're the better team because they won a game camouflage. The whites on the whites. You know, I'll say this. 
Um, but but now we can have a discussion. Who is the better team? It's real close. I I mean I've got Buffalo half a point better now. So yeah, what were the what were the downgrades and upgrades after a, this? A one? clean win. Point point up for the Cincy. Point down for Buffalo. So yeah, that's about as big of an adjustment as they make this time of year. I will say early forecast in Kansas City calls for uh, potential uh, light snow like we had in Buffalo. Advantage what, Bengals there. Was that light snow in Buffalo? Yeah, that's light snow. Oh, my God. You, you could barely watch the game. It was it was uh, frustrating to watch the game because they couldn't keep snow off the cameras. It was, it was Yeah, it, you know, it was more big snowflakes without accumulation than... Yeah, and, they did a good job of keeping the field relatively yes. clean, but the... The cameras, not so much. They had yeah, a hard time. I, I know. It would have been nice to see Hamlin instead of, you know, a, a guy in a Santa suit that they said was was him. But no, no idea that, that it could be. He did a 10. Thank goodness he, he's, he's improving. Uh, I did play the Cincy Kansas City um, opener under 49 and a half. Um, we talked about how there'd be pressure upwards on totals with all six games. Well, five of the six going over last week. Well, now we've had five straight games go under um, after five straight overs. So things have... Um, Reverse back to what we saw earlier in the year with um, the double, you know, uh, safety look and teams not being able to make any big plays. The fourth quarter win shares for those the for the two AFC games, not surprising. Neither was was a really you said clean wins in both scenarios. Kansas City was ninety five point three, Jacksonville four point seven, Cincinnati ninety nine point one, Buffalo point. Nine seems high. So <laughs> back to the drawing board. By the way, Buffalo. I'm oh, sorry to interrupt. Um, made an egregious mistake late in the game. They're down 14. They had like a fourth and two from like their their own 20 and punted. And they punted. And it's just I go back to what do you want? Think the Bengals want you to do? I get it. You lose immediately if you don't get it. You're dead. And you're extending the game from but from a perspective of you have to go for that. I agree. And I said the same thing. Uh, on Saturday, when Brian Dayball punted down 21 in the fourth quarter, it's like, what? What do you think's going to happen? Like, like you've got, you're you're on life support as it is. As soon as you and you can make an argument in the game last night, the late game last night, Dallas when the thing. Cowboys punted with like two and a half minutes left, they basically said, okay, we're going to punt the ball and we're going to burn up all our timeouts. If you're if you're San Fran, you're like, please. God punt the ball. Yes. You know, I'm vulnerable here. I'm only ahead seven. I know you're not likely to get this first down, but as soon as you get it, all of a sudden, we've seen this before. Once the team gets that first first down, they start moving, and the coaches just refuse to want to take that risk, and then they wind up having to do ultimately crazy things down the road. Either they have no chance or they wind up having to do onside kicks, things that have no chance of success. And I guess, so let's let's look ahead to the Cincinnati and Kansas City game. I guess it's a little bit difficult to really have a firm feel for what the, what the game's going to look like until we know more about Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah, so I guess a, a great starting point is to say Mahomes is 100%. Kansas City should be a five-and-a-half-point favorite. So that's a great grounding point. The highest this spread... That's even after the uh, the upgrade today? Yes, that's, af that's after, after the upgrade. today's upgrades. Okay. Yes, uh, remember KC only got a half point upgrade. Okay. So, uh, so I, I, I have Kansas City an eight, and I have Cincy a four and a half. So Kansas City three and a half better on a neutral, with a one hundred percent Mahomes. So five and a half is as good as it gets. Well, he's not going to be close to being a hundred percent. So clearly three is too high. So it has to go below three. Should Cincinnati be favored or should it be three? I don't know. I don't have the inside information. Without it, I'm just throwing darts and guessing. I because so I'm gonna have to watch the game and bet during the game when I get that information. All right, let's move to the NFC and we will start with a game that we already kind of hinted at a little bit. But this was of all the non-competitive games that happened this weekend, and the, none of the games felt like they were really close. Like the, the, the final scores of some of like the the Jags final score and the 49ers final score were close. The games didn't feel necessarily close. You know, I thought the Dallas game was close. I thought Dallas had an excellent chance to win. I just felt like the 49ers were always about to pull away. Like, it, just, it, mm. it well, well, you know what? We'll get to that game. Yeah. This is the game. The Eagles-Giants game was, of all the bad performances, this was the worst performance. This was really the Eagles' announcement that 
whatever you thought you knew about us, whatever you thought we were falling off, you're wrong. Like It's almost like a team that, well, we smashed these guys December 11th, then we took a month off because we knew we had the number one seed locked. Okay, we had to win the last game. All right, we got that out of the way. Uh, my only concern was Hertz, although he did run the ball nine times, only 64 yards. So he did not. Hertz did. Hertz looked 90%. We were worried he'd be 50%. Yeah. And, but he's not 100%. So there's a little concern there. Nevertheless, the rest of the team. You mean 34 yards, right? Um, was it 64? Was it nine for 34? Yeah, because it went under his uh, his problem. Oh, oh, of course. Yes. I'm so sorry. Um, so um, the. Thank you, Mackenzie. The. Um, the Giants just got curb stomped in this game. And you know what? It's I, I'm going to go back to because we've been saying this all year long. The two most overrated teams are the Giants and the, the Vikings. Vikings. So the Giants had a really nice run of five games. Two of them were against the Vikings. And they got covers against the Vikings. So basic strategy would say if you cover twice against the most overrated team in the league, that's probably not a good team to bet on. The betters identified that betting the uh, Eagles up to, to eight. They, they're at seven and a half. They closed eight. I go back to, I still don't know why any sports book is still open because the, the, the teaser of the people's teaser of the century covered with Philly and with um, Kansas city, Kansas city and how of the books just don't get absolutely destroyed when that happens, especially considering even if you played back and took the points in the other two games, you went one on one, you know, this game was, we talked about it very important for the future of Daniel Jones, and it probably couldn't have gone worse for Daniel Jones. He looked like pre-Brian Dayball Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. He looked like the Daniel Jones that we were all, this guy just doesn't get it. And I guess credit to the Eagles in a way, uh, but in this game, the most important game of his career, for him to lay the biggest egg he could have, this this certainly hurts any negotiating uh, that is going to be done in the offseason. Glad we, I don't have to make the decision whether to bring him back. Because, it's a really weird decision now, because isn't it? The other option is is equally as poor. You know, it's like either bring him back or settle for somebody even worse next year. Both bad choices. This was by far his worst QBR game of the season. An 11.4 QBR for Daniel Jones a week after he put up an 81.2 in the wild card game and a 96.8 uh the week before it's the game that they clinched the playoffs it's just when you right when he had some momentum going and he could have carried a, a, you know all this into a, a a negotiation now it's all gone away it feels like so unless you're going to have some more games in the near future scheduled against the Minnesota Vikings. What you're telling me is you're uh, you're probably not of a lot of use to me to use a Wall Street quote. Gordon Gecko is talking to Charlie Sheen and uh, Charlie Sheen gives him this great stock tip on Blue Star Airlines that goes up like three points. Yeah. And like two weeks later, he's meeting with them and he's sucking on his stock um, predictions. And Gecko says, well, unless you have another key relative you know, in management at a company that's about to have some inside information, you're available. I don't think you're going to be a lot of a lot of use to me here. <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles running attack just had their way. And the Giants ran the ball well, too. The problem was the Giants couldn't run the ball very much because they were down early and chasing the entire. I mean, it was down. They were 28 nothing at halftime. So it's it's hard to really establish a running game at that point, even though they did get about six yards per carry. The, the Eagles ran 44 times for 268 yards. And uh, Kenneth Gainwell, their backup running back, was averaging over nine yards a carry. Uh, Miles Sanders was a 5.3. They, they just... Boston Scott gets in the end zone, but a giant killer for years. This was a bully performance by the Eagles. This, set, this game that that's, it sets up next week is really fascinating because... The 49ers are great at stopping the run and run the ball well themselves. The Eagles look like the same. Like they're, they're in a way, they're sort of mirror images. And I guess let's move ahead to what we saw in Dallas and San Francisco before we get into that matchup. Uh, this was a 19-12 49ers win. And I, I'll let McKinsey, because I know McKenzie's been watching the 49ers as close as anyone here. This felt like Brock Purdy's most 
game manager game that he's played, which everyone's been saying, well, he's, I mean, they're letting the, letting the wheels off with this guy. He's going out, going out and, and doing what he wants to do. It felt like they had a, a, a really safe game plan, and they just dominated using that. What did you think of Purdy's performance, Mac? Well, earlier when you're talking about how close, how not close the game was, as a 49ers fan, it did not feel that way. This was nip and tuck <laughs> the entire time, and the offense wasn't the reason we won, but this is what Purdy's been doing that Garoppolo hasn't been able to do take your chances and then throw it away. There was a couple of those spin around, like I can't believe what's going on type plays, and they were incompletions. That's the secret sauce to why you win championships. You don't mess it up. Zero turnovers again, seven straight wins. I think the the death knell for the Cowboys really came when Tony Pollard got hurt, and Tony Pollard has been so key for that Dallas offense. When you took him out of the mix, it felt like, the run game didn't exist anymore. They could they kept trying to get the ball to CeeDee Lamb, but until late, they couldn't get any explosiveness out of CeeDee Lamb. And then he got the big 45, 46-yard uh, catch. But it was just like dink and dunk to him. This was uh, the game that the, – the kind of game that Dak used to get criticized for a lot. This was one of those games. And – I don't – Dak said all the right things last night after the game. He said, you know, the offense has to be better, and that starts with me. I mean, it's the the two interceptions that he threw are balls that you can never throw if you're an NFL mm-hmm. quarterback. And what McKenzie just said is Brock Purdy, like, if he got in trouble, he said, you know what, okay, there's nothing here, throw it out of bounds. First he, like, turns his back on the defense, runs backwards 10 yards, but then he does get rid of it, yes. Both – both <laughs> – interceptions that Dak threw were JV dumb dumb it, it throws that you can never ever 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 make in the NFL you know, and he got one, punished for them. The, the one that was interesting and I'm Mac I'm curious what you think of this because the, the his receiver just kind of quit on the route and so wound up being an interception and they I know the announcer said it looks like he never even saw the um, the defender, but it looks to me like the receiver and, and and Dak were on different pages with the route being run. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Did yeah, you see that? More than one thing can be true. He definitely quit on the route, but when you throw it to a guy that quit on the route because he was beaten so badly by the cornerback, the cornerback had such a beat on him, mm. then it was definitely a bad decision. But, yeah, you got to help your quarterback out a little bit more. You know what? I wanted to comment on one thing. So Purdy looks nimble, all right? Mm-hmm. And taking all these hits and having key injuries, it adds up. So there's one play that Dak is scrambling to the left, and he's got a lot of room, and he gets tackled. A nice gain down to, like, the three-yard line. It's like he looks slow, you know? I mean, for, compared yeah. to how he was, you know, three, four years ago. Am I the only guy? It's like I, I want to see how fast he could run now because he certainly doesn't look like he can. I'd like to see that, too. Uh, and there was also some mental errors down the stretch for Dallas when they had a chance to, to make something happen late. They – instead of going forward while he was going out of bounds, tight end stops and gets knocked out. The clock rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they throw, they throw to Dalton Schultz and really had kind of set themselves up for a decent play at the end of the game to give themselves a shot. And he doesn't get his foot down. And it's like, you can, you could have gotten that foot down. You just weren't, you know, this is an example of the the too cool for school. Yep. Where the players like like in, in you know, white men can't jump. They talk about like like wanting to look cool instead of like like playing, you know, making sure that you're, you know, doing everything right. And Dalton Schultz I thought was just be, being too cool. It's like the really good receivers that I like, they 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 don't get two feet down, they get three. They go tap, tap, tap. Yep. Just in case they 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 don't know exactly where they are, right? And I think if you if you told the Dallas Cowboys you're going to hold the San Francisco 49ers to 19 points. And Brock Purdy's going to be under 200 yards passing. And they're going to run for about three and a half yards per carry. Christian McCaffrey's going to have 35 rushing yards. Well, your over-under was 21 and a half. Boy. So Cowboys win 56% of the time. Cowboys fans are like, yes. And you weren't even you weren't even in it. You, you, you didn't even cover. Sorry, Uncle Dave. And no, you did not cover. And this is... Like, it speaks to, to me, the 49ers being such a complete team because the offense has been so great in this run. The The last time that they didn't score 20 points was, like, week 13. It was, like, the I think it was the first game of this mm. run when they beat the Saints 13 to nothing. And 
this game was kind of like that. It's like, okay, we're not going to beat you over the head with our offense. So the defense steps up and has an elite game. And this, to me, is why the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. They're the only team, I believe, that's elite on both sides of the ball. And if you can't, it's hard to be elite on both sides of the ball every game, but it's if, if you're elite on both sides, one of those two sides is usually going to show up. And in this game, it was the defense. Defense dominates. The Cowboys, who looked like they, they'd found their explosive offense, didn't find it. One of the things that I mentioned last week when we were talking about is this real or not was Dak and the performance he had against Tampa. He was never rushed. He was always, he he never had to get out of his spot in the pocket. He stayed in his spot and he made his throws. The 49ers forced him out of that spot. Got him uncomfortable. Absolutely. And Dak is like uh, early Dak was, he'd make throws on the run. And that was kind of one of the cool things about Dak early on. Dak now has evolved, and I don't, I shouldn't say evolved, maybe devolved, I don't know. But Dak now is really a pocket passer. Yes. And Dak likes to be clean. He, he's, he's very much like Tom Brady in that way. Like he doesn't want to be disrupted. And the 49ers disrupted him. And what, you know, what a contrast. I know he only got sacked once, but Burrow was under duress on many a play. Yeah. And, and no doubt. And, and he just is a master of feeling the pressure. Knowing when to step up in the pocket and zing, out goes the ball. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it almost felt also part of what made the Cowboys offense good when it was really good was they they overwhelmed you with all the weapons that they had. And it felt like this game, Dak was married to CeeDee Lamb. And he didn't want, like if, if the, the other guys were out there, but he would rather force it to CeeDee Lamb than try anything else. Remember, it is a fast-track team that's playing outdoors in the elements and 15-mile-an-hour winds, and it's their fourth straight road game. So there's intangibles yeah. that are going to keep Dallas from looking as sharp as they should have been. All right, what are the upgrades and downgrades on the 49ers and the Cowboys? All right, so this is interesting. I lowered Dallas by a half point. I didn't lower them by more than that because they only lost the yardage by 30. They only lost the yards per play by a smidgen. Um, Pollard got injured. And they were in the game. They were absolutely in the game. Um, But I did not upgrade San Francisco. I was not impressed by San Francisco. I was not impressed with the offense. I thought they played tight. And I thought they were the beneficiary of those turnovers. They don't get that first interception. It could have have been a totally different game. Well, and that's that's kind of the the two sides of it. Like, if I have a hard time, if if you're not going to lower Dallas because they made, because those interceptions were so egregious. Well, I am going to lower them because, but it's self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. In other words, San Fran. Yeah, they made the play, but eh, and come on. And since we took the time to talk about Travis Kelsey and how amazing he was, George Kittle's line isn't the kind of line where you go, "Oh, what a freak!" Five catches, ninety-five yards, no touchdowns. But George Kittle dominated this game. Like he was a force constantly in this game. And the catch that he made over the middle, like off of the off his hand, then off his face mask, then back into his hands and avoid the big hit. It's an unusual look to juggle the ball, you know, like you're juggling three balls yeah. at once while eluding a defender, you know, and still go 15 yards down the field. Don't know if I've seen that before. And I think this is what at the end of the day, you can look at it and say, OK, Christian McCaffrey has 57 yards of total offense. You know, Brandon Ayuk has two catches. Debo Samuel has four catches. George Kittle has five. This is not the the this isn't the high end of what you've seen from San Francisco's offense. And not only did they still win, they still covered. They they handled their business. Uh, to me, well, and let's get to the number because this surprises me. And I get that there has to be uh, sort of an automatic upgrade on Philly because now we've seen Jalen Hurts and we know Jalen Hurts is indeed healthy and Jalen Hurts. We talked about San Francisco potentially being a a pick'em at Philly. And now we are looking at Philly minus two and a half 
at home against the four or against the 49ers. Does that line feel right to you? It does feel right. As soon as the game ended, I said to myself, can't make Philly three, but clearly Philly has to be favored. Philly answered all the questions. So Philly, um, you know, I upgraded him one. I'm like, is that enough? I don't know. And I down and, and San Fran didn't get any upgrades. So if it was going to be pick them before, you know, now is the rub very rarely do you see a line at one? Because once it becomes clear who's going to be favored, eh, then it takes off a little bit and it's run to two. I'll say this. Looks like we got a potential for another teaser of the century where we take both the one and a half, two point dogs and we tease them up through seven up to eight, plus eight. What do you think? I love it. I'm also, I think I'm also going to be on San Francisco money line here. Like I, I, I still believe they're the better team. Uh, and I think part of what, part of what we just saw was, Philly just smashed a pretty bad football team. And I want to challenge you to do something. You, Fez, and you at home, and even you, McKenzie, I want to challenge you guys to look at the Eagles' schedule this year. <laughs> yes. And I want you to tell me, I want you to point at the team, the team that you would say, now that's a good team. Well, you got the 12 and 3 Minnesota Vikings. Who we've already said stink. Yeah. I, I want, don't even know what they're right. You know what? I want to put up the indictment. That shows how bad the Vikings are. I don't know whether they were 13 and four or what the hell they were. I just know they stink. But I want you to point to the good team that Philly beat and say, this is their big win. This is their, their defining win. This was their moment that they said, we're here and we're Cooper, the real Cooper deal. Cooper Rush and Dallas. They beat the Cowboys with a backup quarterback. I mean, they. But, beat. but what does it matter? It's like I, I hear that all the time. I don't. I don't care if you beat if you beat an average team by fourteen. I've call call me a square ball. That's more impressive than beating like a Super Bowl contender by one. It's that. It's the sort of. It's like Cincinnati in the uh, in the pro in the playoff last year. It's one thing to go unbeaten in American Conference play, but when you show up and you got to play a Big Ten team who's been playing good teams you know, all the, the, season this, long. This is a good point. The Zags cover plenty of games, and they don't have a lot of national championships, do they? Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's when you when you get used to bullying around teams that aren't as uh, good as you. And I'm not saying the Eagles aren't good because they haven't beat anybody. The Eagles could very – We don't really – we don't know. And they're not battle-tested so that when they do get battle-tested and Hurts has to step it up and play well, and he's played great all year long, how is he going to react? And, and is it fair to him – that he hasn't been in that situation all year long because we talk about these wind shares, and when you're playing all these games with 96% fourth quarter wind shares, then you don't get to um, have the necessary reps that you might need in these close games because, let's face it, any one of these final four teams could easily win it all. You could throw a blanket over these four teams. Yeah, so I, that's my concern for the Eagles is where is that where's that team that they beat that you go, you know what? That that proved something to me, and I just haven't seen it yet. I, I, it's pretty amazing that they're in the freaking NFC Championship game without beating a good team. And yet. we'll discount the win against the Niners. They're home against a California team with the with a third string quarterback. They're going to have to win the Super Bowl for to really maybe so be be, be I, you know exclamation point. I won't discount it because, like I said, I think the 49ers are the best team. But if oh Kansas City's the best team if Mahomes is healthy, but now everything has changed. I don't know. I, These teams played earlier in the year. They today, did. They did. This was not close. They did. Um, I mean, but the Bengals in Kansas City played earlier this year, and it wasn't close. So is Kansas City still the best team? I mean, the Bengals are still here. They've mm -hmm. got to play them again. It, it's it's a Styles make fights thing, certainly. But the 49ers, or excuse me, the, the Chiefs get away more than anybody with. They get close wins, and nobody says anything about it. they just like, oh, that's what the Chiefs do. Well, they're the Lakers. They're just going out there, and, and you know what? What's, the, what's that movie, Airplane? You know, when he's tied to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think you're the greatest, but my dad doesn't. He thinks you don't even try until the playoffs. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the Super Bowl odds. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are now the favorites at plus 250. Tie for second favorite. Cincinnati and Philly, plus 265, 49ers at plus 320. You know, look at What's, the implicit vigorish in this. So when you look at these four teams, so if I bet 100 on each and every team and the underdog wins the Niners, I win $20. <laughs> Otherwise, if the Niners don't win, 
Uh-oh. You lose money. I lose $35 or $50. I'm going to average that out. So I either win $20 if the Niners win, or I lose $40 if the field wins. The three teams that have the the bet the, the their favorite against the Niners and the odds. That kind of shows the implicit vig. It doesn't look too bad, but when you think of it that way, my God. So basically, I'm betting the, um, you know, think about the, the, I'm laying minus 200 on the Niners versus the field from that perspective. McKenzie, I'm curious, what are, what's the uh, the current line, if there is one, or the current odds on AFC versus NFC right now? Like, I assume there's those. Are, can... I, I'm, I'm certain our AFC minus two and a half, I'm not going to lie. We've we've taken some hits in the marketplace because that's that's not going to hold anymore with yeah. Mahomes' injury. I, I agree. Well, with Mahomes' injury and Buffalo being out, like yeah. those, the, those two things certainly tighten things. And I think seeing the Eagles look the way they looked first, tightens things up. Would you guys care to venture a guess? I would guess it's it, right now it's AFC minus one. I'll go pick them. AJ, you cheated. It's AFC minus one. Yes. Smarter than Fez for Well, that's once. the opener. Let's see what, it, let's <laughs> see what the closer right, is. Fez three-level three chess. Yeah, so, okay. Well, I, I mean, it, it's it, – this is wild. Like, the, these four teams you, – you said this, Fez. How often do we get this good quality of, of teams in the in the – you know, the conference Never. final. Usually there's somebody sneaking in that doesn't belong. You could have and, a showdown on one side, but it's very rare. Like, like good example is there's um, – uh, there was a year like the Vikings in Atlanta. The, the, that, maybe that's a bad example because the um, uh, because Denver. Yeah, so Denver was cruising in the AFC, but the, you know Minnesota was fifteen to one, and Atlanta was fourteen and two. The, the dirty year. bird year, yes. <laughs> and I, I think like you can argue, well, the one and two didn't make it in both sides, but I think for the for the AFC one, two, and three, you could have put the three of them in a hat, and you like you would have gotten two really good teams oh, since, out of them. Since he got screwed by the, the non-playing of the game, I mean, you know, they, they, they were in p- position to be the two seed. But I, I think that we've got four high-quality teams here, assuming everyone stays healthy. If Patrick Mahomes isn't healthy, then everything we've got three high-quality teams, and we've got the Chiefs. When, and we got Jacksonville. We basically have Jacksonville at yeah. home. And you know what? Jacksonville at home is certainly good enough. They won a game. They're, they're certainly good enough to win this game, but not half the time. Yeah, so uh, there you go. The The odds now out. You, I, I'm with you, Fez. I don't see how this teaser isn't good, the, the teasing the two underdogs here. Um, and you're, you're starting to see Cincinnati get pushed down to one. They're, the one and a halfs are drying up quickly. May as well, Maybe that's why. May as well lock it on up, exactly. Take, take the Bengals up to seven and a half. And, and I get it. You, you might have buyer's remorse. Mahomes gets more. It, it's more likely the line goes up than down because if Mahomes, as soon as he gets reported to play, it probably goes up to two and a half. But you know what? If he doesn't play, the Bengals are going to be laying you're laying three against Chad Henney. Yeah. And if if I mean, if you play the teaser and then Mahomes plays, you can have some Chiefs in your pocket as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm fine with playing playing a, a teaser plus you know plus one and a half up to plus eight or whatever plus seven and a half. And it closing three. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, so or, I, or if it closes two and a half, I'm very okay with it. So there you have it. Uh, I guess we didn't mention the totals in these. And you you did uh, talk about the total in the uh, the Bengals-Chiefs game. Like, you, you're already liking the under. And I assume that's because of the, the quarterback uncertainty. I have a trivia question. Not trivia. I have a pro betting question for you. Let's see if you, if you, if you can get this. You're going to make far more money if if overs and unders overall hit um, versus the market number, the widely available number at 50%. You'll make far more money selectively playing unders than overs. Why? Far more money, not even close. Versus even though if if, if the unders only cash at 50% against widely available numbers. I don't know. It's because you can never get help with a rogue number on an over. All right. You always get help on a rogue under. So an example is that— Thank you, Stations. Stations is a classic example. If there's a playoff game and it's lined at 46, you can scour the entire freaking world, and you're not going to get a 45-and-a-half. It will not happen. You might get it the sharpest book in the world and over 46, like minus 104 or minus Mm -hmm. 106, a reduced VIG. But if if almost all the sharp books have 46, it's going to be 46. However, there will be a 47. If you have enough outs, 
I don't care if you're gonna if you're in Reno and you're betting against the Pepper Mill or the Atlantis or you're in Vegas and you're playing the Golden Nugget, the Win Station Casinos. Those joints, South Point. With Treasure the, Island. Treasure Island. <laughs> uh, South Point with the Sports Betting Hall of Fame, multiple bookmakers they have. Somehow, <laughs> they just, despite all that expertise and acumen, they don't have any sharp bettors <laughs> that are allowed to play there because they seem to like excel at dealing a point higher than everyone else. So on weeks like this, this is a week where they meet with their bosses like, we did great. We made a fortune Yet every single sharp better playing into them that's still allowed to sneak their bets in makes mm. money because, you know, they're getting there. And this certainly happened at the South Point where you you got the rogue numbers. Dallas, San Francisco is an example where the total was 46. It went up to as high as 47, but all the sharp money at post was on the under right before this game kicked off. And 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 you still could have gotten 47s. Totals, you can get 45 or 45 and a half on the Eagles and 49ers game. I played under 45 and a half. I did play that when I when I when I um I thought about it and I was like there's I don't see any scenario um Hurts only got 34 yards rushing and San Fran is going to look to win, you know, muck the game up with long ball control. So I played under 45 and a half. Yeah, that seems, I, this game particularly, the only way you, to me you can look is the under because two teams that want to run the ball, want to want to control the football. Uh, and both teams playing a better defense than they played this last week. Um, so I, I think under is the way to go, really, in, in both conference championship games. Well, San Fran defense, very good. Oh, absolutely. Yep. yep. So, um, and, and then for Cincinnati, you know what? Um, I could see them. Uh, these Both these Cincinnati and Kansas City are good at take, taking what you give them, and especially Kansas City. They're perfect. They'll be perfectly happy with Mahomes crippled. If Cincinnati plays back, just dinking and dunking and doing long ball control. And McKenzie points out the, uh, they, these two teams played last year in week two. 17-11, 49ers win. Uh, both teams had more runs than passes in the game. 17-11. Really? So, uh, yeah, let's hope for And really, geez, in a 28-point game, 18 of those points got scored in the fourth quarter. Hmm. So that's something to consider as well. Ten points in the first half of that game. So uh, that was grimy. I would expect this one. Maybe not that grimy. Maybe maybe it won't be this grimy, 17-11. But I could see it being one of those types of games. So there you go. There's the Fez's first look at the conference championship games. Uh, and I, listen, I, I think no matter what happens, we're going to have ourselves a competitive Super Bowl. I, I think uh, that's what I project. Like, it's hard for me to say any – any matchup of teams in this group is going to be some sort of a, a lopsided matchup. Doesn't feel right to me, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. This is good. It has all the makings for a super hyped. How can it miss Super Bowl that somebody wins by twenty four points? Interesting night in college hoops last night as the number one team in the country goes down to the Temple Owls. Woof. 20-point uh, favorite. Yeah, this was not uh, quite a shining moment for UH. They fall 55-56. to 56. Temple, zero field goals in the final six minutes, 30 seconds of the game. And this game was a home game for Houston. This is one of those... It, it's funny because last week we talked about Houston as a team that I feel like come tournament time, I can trust. <laughs> and then this happens. And it it kind of goes to the point that you made, Fez, that there's really nobody. Like, there, there's not a team out there that feels like this should be the runaway favorite in, in the NCAA tournament. Everybody stinks. Kansas gets torched by TC. Was that the football team out there? No. No. <laughs> Um, the, the current odds and you what's the number you said? Nobody should be better than what? 10 to one. You cannot make anyone 10 to one. There is only one team better than 10 to one right now. And it's Houston. And that won't last. They are, yeah, and, right. that, and, that, and they shouldn't be. They'll be downgraded. Anyone who wants ten to one, Soon. are they eight to one right now? Six to one. Are they six to one? Yeah. All right. They'll be eight to one when we wake. Don't pay six yes. to one. 
Uh, Purdue, who snuck out a win against Maryland last night, they're at ten to one. They Al- stink. Alabama they bad against Maryland. Alabama at ten to one. Kansas off the loss at eleven to one. UCLA thirteen to one. They lost to Arizona uh, this weekend. They did. I, I actually saw that game. UCLA stink. <laughs> they cannot shoot at all. I, I mean, Arizona couldn't shoot, and Arizona. Yeah. Handled them easily. Uh, Tennessee fourteen to one, Arizona twenty, Virginia twenty two, UConn twenty two, Texas twenty five, and then you've got a group that includes TCU, Xavier, Baylor, Iowa State, and Gonzaga at thirty to one. I, I do think Arizona put up a billboard on how to stop the UCLA offense. So they took that monster ballo in the yeah, middle, yeah. and they just they just basically. Um, they said, don't worry about the three seconds. We're at home. They're not going to call. <laughs> Just stand under the basket. You're the goalie. And <laughs> UCLA can't shoot from the outside, and they couldn't. Yeah, it's a weird – it is a weird season. There's nobody that I'm I'm certainly thrilled about trying to get my hands on a future on. The one team I'd maybe have some interest in is Marquette, uh, who has the best offense in the country and has a coach who – historically has emphasized defense. When was the last time Marquette made the final four? Dwayne Wade. Oh, there you go. That, that was impressive. Yeah. What, was been, the, yeah. What, what year was that Mac? I mean, the, the year before you got drafted. Yeah, it would have so been 2003. Yeah. Okay. And 77 before that, I think Yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, but my, my point is just that like, this goes back to the Allen Boston. Um, you're not, your program's not good enough to win the national championship. You know, that the, um, the Marquettes and the Xavier's of the world, just won't get better. They, now, if they start, if they played the tournament today, maybe they could win. But by the time we get to March, uh, one of the blue bloods that's struggling currently, whether it be a North Carolina, whether it be a Kansas, one of those teams, whether it be in Arizona, will will get their crap together and will be ultimately be the champion, in my opinion. Now, the the flip side of that is we've had some teams. In recent year, Baylor winning two years ago, you wouldn't have thought Baylor was. Baylor's certainly not a basketball blue blood. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's a, that's a great point. But but correct me if I'm wrong. That Baylor was really playing at a super super high level. They sure. were the num- They were like a, a, an elite in the number. And they two went twenty eight and two. They, they were, were the number two team behind Gonzaga the whole yeah. year, and they and their numbers were like popping off the page. Good, not. Well, yeah, borderline top five good. Virginia won the, the tournament before that. There was no tournament in 2020, but in 2019, Virginia won. They're not a blue blood. Um, so it can be done. It just... Virginia is... I, I think Virginia's a better example of a team, especially after they get bounced by, you know, um, a team that no one has ever heard of or will hear of again, you know, 16. Yeah, losing the first round and then yes. win the whole thing the next year. Uh, but you're right. It is rare that... It's not the usual suspects, and the the funny thing is, the usual suspects this year: North Carolina, they're at thirty-five to one; Kentucky, forty to one; Duke, fifty to one; uh, Indiana, sixty to one. What's, what's Kentucky's record? Right? Ohio State, eighty to one. Let's see. Kentucky currently is because they won this weekend. Put, you know what? Put me down on Kentucky. They're 13 and 6. All right. Now don't put, actually put me down because it's stupid, but uh play I I I would if I had to, if you forced my hand, I know they just juggled their lineup and they're better now from what I hear. Um oh, you know what? You put me down for there's one team and I and I very rarely do this. Indiana, the Hoosiers are good now. Indiana 60 to 1 right now. Indiana I I get it. They were awful earlier in the year. They got their guys healthy. I, I saw them play Sparty, and Sparty was playing very well. And well, let's just say, I, I, I'm talking about massive overreaction of the day. Arizona, UCLA, those these teams stink. Indiana, yeah, like five NBA players. No, they don't. But they, but they really have a couple great players that weren't playing earlier in the year. Yeah, Race Thompson back uh, for Indiana. He's a big deal. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis starting to look right. That's so. the guy. Yeah, so they, they've they've got some bodies, and you're, you're right. There was a bad run in the middle of the, middle of the season when they didn't have uh, particularly race, and now they, they do look like they're playing some really good ball. And that's beating Illinois on the road the way they did, and then to beat Michigan, like blew out both those teams, Michigan State. Uh, those are really quality wins. Kentucky is interesting because they they followed up the worst loss that they could have had this season losing at home to South Carolina 
the worst team in the in the mm-hmm. SEC. They follow that up by beating Tennessee on the road, the best team in the SEC. They go on the road and beat them. They're just a hard team to follow. Maybe they're I, shaving points. Who knows? I mean, it's entirely possible. I didn't say, I didn't say it. The good news is uh, this coming weekend, we're going to get Kentucky versus Kansas. So one of the struggling Blue Bloods is going to get a nice win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, pre- I would prefer – you know what? I might go – I might want to ask you about this. Whenever I see a, a Blue Blood team like Kansas get smashed against a team like TCU, I, I want to play under because I figure – that when they lose by 20-plus and give up a bunch of points, the coach is just going to throw chairs and go crazy and emphasize defense. Am I right or wrong? I don't know. I feel like you were, you're right if this was 15 years ago. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's I, still— I, Maybe the players control the program now. I think, yeah, it's a little bit different now than it, than it used to be. I don't, I don't know that you're getting any chair throwing uh, going these days. But um, either way, like I, I think your point is taken that there's a, there's a bunch of good teams— and there's no great teams. There, there's no, there's no jump off the page like this. This watch this. And mind you, in recent years, you know Gonzaga was that team a couple times. Look at them. How is anybody going to beat them? And they never win. Uh, so this Florida Atlantic team looks pretty darn good. They, they, they actually do I look mean, pretty good. I don't know what I don't know if they're ranked, but they're not ranked. But you. So the game, the big game on the docket for today is Kansas at Baylor. Uh, Kansas is a two-point dog on the road, and this comes off Kansas losing back-to-back games at home. That doesn't happen very often. It, it, like I, 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 I wish I had the numbers up in so front of me. Much for beware the fog. I know. I, I should. I should have looked into this. I didn't project talking about Kansas too much in this show. It was a football-heavy show. Uh, but Kansas losing, at, oh, excuse me, at Kansas State and then losing at home to TCU those Kansas doesn't lose to those types of programs very often and it's especially losing by 23 at home this weekend certainly red flags being raised Baylor got a nip and tuck win that they really kind of desperately needed against Oklahoma they've been skating by against some of the lesser teams in the Big 12 uh, getting a big road win at Oklahoma. Now you know everything about these teams. You just had a huge Saturday, right? In, uh, I for did your service for my my clients. Got had a nine and one Saturday. How do I get your picks? When you go to pregame.com, of course. Pregame.com, and you've got them. Can I buy? Can I buy the rest of your package through March Madness? Yes, all in, for one purchase. Of course, you can. Just Steve, go to pregame.com you know and select purchase picks. I believe. Yes, and you know what? Even I'll, I'm going to give you something uh, later on in this show that'll help you save some money on that as well. So yeah, just go to pregame.com, get down on it. Not a great card for my UFC this weekend. I I had a stinker. It's going to happen. Uh, I'm in the last. Three months of UFC betting, I'm up over 20 units. So it, it, in the long haul, it works out. But this one was a a, a different kind of card uh, and did not go my way this weekend. But like I said, that's going to that's gonna happen mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, all right. There had to have been a bad beat. Give me the one bad beat. Um, I don't know that there was necessarily a bad beat. There was the, the, the pick that I talked about on this show – the uh, the Shogun Hua over one and a half rounds, mm-hmm. maybe a questionable stoppage, um, especially for you know a guy who's kind of known to go out on his shield. You'd think they would have let him let him fight out of that situation a little bit was more. Was that an early second round? Uh, it was early. It was a late first round. Late they stopped first. it. Mm-hmm. So I would I would have liked to seen that go a little bit further, but you know bad beats. I I, I won't say there was really a bad beat. Um, the guy that I had in the co-main event. Uh, Figueredo, he got he took a punch directly in the eye, and his eye got swollen shut. They stopped the fight. Can't um, call that a bad beat. That you gotta get, get you, got, you got punched in, in the, the eye. eye. <laughs> yeah, that's a way to lose the fights. So no bad beats, no excuses. But uh, we'll be back back in the saddle uh, on Saturday. All right, on the ice tonight, you can get the Panthers plus one nineteen at the Rangers minus one thirty. The Islanders plus two hundred five at the Leafs minus two twenty. Uh, the Sabres are plus 153. Stars bring it back minus 168. And the Columbus Blue Jackets, I wish Scott were here. I'd ask him if Merzlikens is in goal. Plus 310 at the Flames. You, those guys are minus 350. Tree 
fitty. Just stop on the it. flames. With, stop it with the money line parlays on the three fitty to the two fitty. Just stop. Just it. stop. If you like them three fitty, bet them minus three fitty. Yeah, exactly. But just stop thinking by magically when you you parlay these two big money lines together, you're not laying the big. You're still laying the big. In fact, you're laying more because now the sharp books like the Pentacles of the World charge you even more on each leg of the big. People don't like to hear that, Fez. Hey, I'm 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 like the people. You're the you're the I'm bearer the, of bad news sometimes. No, I I I just call it like it is. If you're if you're parlaying the money lines, if you're buying the half points, you're just letting the book rip you off, take advantage of you, and it's all about winning. There's a difference, and this is really important. There's a difference between great handicapping and great betting. All right, I'm the first to always say. I am much more of a great better than a great handicapper. That is what I excel at. And so I frustrates, it really frustrates the hell out of me when people argue with me and say, well, that's your opinion that you shouldn't buy half points. Bullshit. It is not my opinion. <laughs> I am right. Go take 100 MIT um, guys that bet sports for a living and play blackjack for a living and ask them, what do you do with a seven against a dealer four when the count's positive? 100 out of 100 will say you double down dummy and what do 100 out of 100 say when you buy a college basketball half point from plus four and a half to plus five they don't give you the bullshit answer what well, depends on the circumstances and the specifics of this matchup and i expect a close game and the total's lower than normal so i'm gonna buy that no bullshit maybe maybe it's less big of a, of a mistake than a, than the normal mistake it's still a mistake you don't buy just half a point for 10 cents in a college basketball game thank you I'm done. That's the end of your TED talk. Uh, let's look at the NBA. Last night, the Lakers got to win 121-112 on a big, a big second half, 75-41 in the second half. The Lakers took over and won that game. Speaking of taking over late, the Nets took over late, knocked off the Warriors 120-116. Wait, wait, where was Big the game? night for Kyrie Irving. That was in, in uh, San Francisco. No, they, they always win there, right? Not not tonight. No? Okay. Not tonight. Not last night, I guess, but yeah. So, a uh, a good win or maybe a bad loss, depending on how you look at it. You know, the, this is a ridiculous question. This is what the NBA has become. So, there's 236 points. Did the game go over or under? McKenzie, over, crept over, barely over, <laughs> but it was close. Right? It was close. Yeah. Uh, let's look. He might have pushed. Actually, depends what you got. Whatever you got. <laughs> let's look at the schedule for tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks. Laying 11 and a half on the road at Detroit. The Celtics laying seven and a half on the road at the Magic. Hawks plus one at are on the road at Chicago. Timberwolves minus six and a half at the Rockets. The lowly, lowly Rockets. Uh, Hornets plus seven and a half at the Jazz. Spurs plus eight and a half at the Blazers. Blazers on the back end of a back-to-back. And the Grizzlies coming off a loss to the Suns. They have a back-to-back, and they are a pick em in Sacramento. So correct me if I'm wrong, Memphis just lost to the Lakers also. So and then they lost to Phoenix as well. So, yeah, they're, so, and, they're and, uh they're falling apart, so it sounds like. Well, it sounds like a buying opportunity to me. Like I get a quality team off of off of two losses and I mean at some point, you know, we that's a team I want to invest in. I think that's an excellent point. And I think there's a two point disadvantage that you're gonna get the market's gonna give to every single team that's on a back to back. Sometimes it's just not warranted. Grizzlies deepest team in the NBA Probably on the, a chip on their shoulder. Kind of lean with that way. Good pick, Fizz. Well, and directly, um, not just you know this game, but I'm saying over. I think if you bet them like the next seven, you're probably going to go four and three. By I example. would think so. Yeah. You want you want information like that? You want it from McKenzie? You want it from Fez? McKenzie hit 57 percent, like 357 picks in it as an NBA run. I think you could scour the universe trying to find such success and not find it against legitimate, not made up, phony. Fake old uh, lines that have moved, but numbers that are actually out there. So, McKenzie, he's an NBA unicorn is what you're saying. He is. I love it. And you can get his stuff. You can get Fez's stuff. You can get Scott's stuff. He's still riding a hot streak in hockey. Uh, supposedly, he'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to... I was going to tell the finals. Is he is he still in Florida? Playing? I, he's he's on his way back from Florida team. tomorrow. I don't want to give away all his accolades and <laughs> things. I'm not going to tell you how they finished. The tournament is over. Mm hmm. I know Scott's going to want to talk about it when he gets back, so I'm going to leave it. That's a tease ahead <laughs> to tomorrow's show. You're going to hear all about – you're going to hear about I hit a ball 
that it bounced off the Epcot Center is what he's going to say. I can already hear it now. Mm. Uh, so we'll hear all about that on tomorrow's show when Scott returns. But if you want Scott's plays, you want my plays, you can get them. Pregame.com. And if you use the promo code FLORIDA20, FLORIDA20, you can get 20% off anything at pregame.com. That could be, uh, you know, rest of NBA season for McKenzie, my rest of college basketball season. That could be Fez's all access. Rest of hockey season you can get right now all for 20% off. Or if you just want one package, you want a best bet, you can get that for 20% off. It's, you know, for the value, you probably want to go with the the bigger purchase and 20% bigger, you know, on a bigger purchase. But, hey, it's all up to you, friend. All up to you. But it's simple. Florida 2-0 at checkout will get you that 20% off. Fez, thank you for uh, for filling in for Scott while he was gone. Much appreciated and great to get your insight on the uh, the games from this weekend and the games for next weekend. And if they want a deeper dive, they're going to be able to get it on the uh, Dream uh, DreamPod um uh, early week market report, right? Yep, that'll be out tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night. So, um, or uh, tomorrow morning, I guess. Late, late late night tonight into tomorrow morning, you're going to be able to get it. Depending on when are you going to wake up? I don't know, but it, it's out there for you. You don't sleep, so it's hard to relate. sleep. Sleep is for the week, mm-hmm. Fez. That's it's nonsense. Uh, for Mackenzie Rivers, for Steve Fezzik, for Scott Seinberg, back tomorrow. I'm AJ Hoffman. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. We are. Straight out of Vegas, AM.